Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumwatt Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumwatt or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumwatt.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. I am so glad that you are joining us today. I'm glad that you just are connecting so that we together can be part of the conversation. We are seeing life change at this church, Grumlaw Church. Last week, we had an incredible service. Trunk or Treat was an event that we will soon not forget. And I'm confident because of the momentum of what God is doing here that today your life is going to be influenced by God, by the Holy Spirit. And as we are open to what he wants to say, today is going to be a life-changing event. Now, to kind of put us on course with where we're going today, do you remember learning to swim? For some of you, that was a highly positive experience. For others, it was negative. And maybe for some of you, you don't even remember what took place because it's just been a part of your life. That, that's kind of for me. Uh, I've always been around water. I was uh, a varsity swimmer. I was a lifeguard, and I would like to say around water, I like to sometimes say that I would be an instigator. Case in point, a few years ago, my wife and I were in the Caribbean, and because of her love for swimming, my love for swimming, we were out snorkeling, and we were in this big lagoon area that if you, you know, crumbled up packages of crackers, you would just see an entourage of fish come in and of course, they're going to get you a little bit. And I saw this one woman who was, number one, apprehensive about getting in the water, and she made it very clear to her husband that she did not want to be touched by a fish. And so that immediately clicked in one of my spiritual gifts of scaring people, and I made sure that I was right behind her as she was going into the water, and I proceeded to crumple up three packages of crackers and dispose of them right behind her, and boomba! I want to tell you something. She was absolutely zapped with fish. Now, that woman is probably still being traumatized a little bit, but I hope she's over it. Learning to swim requires something that we all naturally resist surrender. At some point, if we're going to learn to swim, we have to surrender to the instructor, to a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a parent. And the reason that most people want their children or family members to learn to swim is to experience a world we would never have known and or experience otherwise. Case in point, learn how to swim, you're able to snorkel and terrorize people. Maybe wakeboard, ski, or jump off of a diving board, or for that matter, off of cliffs, which I've done in a multiplicity of states, without fear. This, what I just described, actually leads to what we're discussing in this series, Real Prayers for Real Life learning how to pray 
as Jesus instructed us, guided us. Prayer that's alive and it's invigorating and it's a new experience, not rote, repetition, not memorized, but absolutely life-giving. And last week, Shay, our lead pastor, did an amazing job of kicking this series off. And I would encourage you to just go to literally grumlaw.com slash messages if you have not heard that message yet. We are actually, in this series, taking from an incredible series we heard about. We're making it our own, and we're putting this series in three talks. And for those of you who do not know Jesus, you, do, you haven't had that personal encounter, that intimacy, um, I am positive, I'm confident, that you're going to get some amazing tips today of how maybe your prayer life will be altered. And for those of you who are Jesus followers, he's given us some incredible instructions. Let's look to what Jesus is saying about this. In Matthew 6, 6, it says this, but when you pray... What we learned from last week and what we'll learn from this week is how to pray and how not to pray. We heard last week that these long, elaborate, repeated, same old, same old prayers, uh, the prayers that are trying to impress, lay off of those. Because the purpose isn't to move God, but being moved by God. It's not about convincing Him to do our bidding but rather allowing him to move us to a place where we're willing to do his. We're all familiar with the prayers of informing God of our wants, our needs, our wishes, our desires. But he tells us in Matthew 6, 8, but your father knows what you need before you ask him. Like we discussed last week, what? Why even pray then if he knows? Significant and good question. But when we realign our prayers and understand what Jesus is teaching, the purpose of prayer is to align our wills with God's will. The purpose of prayer is to surrender our will not to impose it. Jesus began this teaching of how to pray where we literally recognize and submit. We recognize who God is and we submit our will to his will. It's declaring his greatness. Hallowed, holy be your name. You're the uncreated creator. You're incredibly infinite and yet intimate. It's surrendering our wills, my will, your will, to the will of God. But it's so difficult. I want to be in control. You want to be in control. We want to be in control. It's, it's why some people hold on the side of the pool or they never get into the deep end 
because they want to make sure they can walk on the bottom. Our prayers sometimes feel incredibly good because we like it when God's that cosmic vending machine. I get to pick and choose what I want when I want it. But real prayer, the kind of prayer that Jesus prayed, starts with surrender, even when he himself said, if this can pass from me, if what I'm going to go through can pass from me, please, but not my will, your will be done. Jesus is inviting us to experience the world in a way we'll never experience unless we surrender. So this is how Jesus begins this teaching, and now he pivots. He pivots to where most of us begin. Matthew 6.11 says, give us today. Oh, finally, it's my turn. It's your turn. But Jesus is requesting something. And by the way, he's not taking prayer requests here. He's requesting that we ask for and live out what I'm calling three P's. And all three of these P's assume surrender. What are they? Provision, pardon, protection. And, and we're going to take these apart a little bit. Matthew 6.11 says this, Give us today our daily bread. Now, for most Americans, we do not have this concern. In fact, for a lot of us, we eat more than our daily bread. But when Jesus said this to the first century audience, this was a flashback of something that had taken place with the children of God, the children of Israel, when they were wandering in the wilderness, and Jesus gave them daily bread, everything they needed, no more, no less. What that was teaching the children of Israel was dependence on God. God is the ultimate provider. And throughout Scripture, he implied that they're going to have more, but don't be deceived. You're no less dependent on me than in the desert. And that's applicable for us because we remind ourselves that God is the ultimate provider, not just what we eat, but he's everything. See where this surrender ties in? Where I'm not the one in control, God is control and I trust him. And when I say that God is the ultimate provider, there are situations that all of us have faced, will face in the future, where we have no control over a particular diagnosis, an unexpected job loss, a mental health situation. And in those situations, we're reminded how dependent we are on things we have no control over. And so when we pray, in the way that Jesus is saying, Jesus asks us, to pause, and to, in fact, declare our dependence. And this is so important for those of us who live where we live, and everyone, including myself, who are listening to this. Because we live 
in a culture of excess. We don't have a car, we have cars. We don't have a home, we have homes. And for those of you who are saying, I don't have another home, but you have a camper, you have another home. We don't have a garage, we have garages. We don't have one place to go out and eat. Sometimes we complicate our mind and we have so many choices, we go, where are we going to go? And this is the issue. A culture of excess lends to taking life for granted because we begin to expect things and feel we're entitled. And as a result, an ungrateful spirit enters. The book of Proverbs is filled with so much wisdom, one-liners that can literally um, cause us to think differently. And there's a particular proverb that can be literally uh, read as a prayer. And I'm going to say this, I just dare us to pray this prayer. And it, it, it may confront a side of us that perhaps needs confronting. Now, some of you already are tensing up or to go back to that analogy, you're going to grab the pool again. But let me just go to that verse, Proverbs 30, verse 8. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Hmm. That is not really the prayer of our culture today. Give me only what I need because I, I want more. But the writer of Proverbs goes on to say in Proverbs 39 this. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. In other words, if, if I'm in poverty, I'm going to steal. If I have too many riches, then I don't need God and I forget about God. And so when we think about this and pray this prayer, just not poverty or riches, but only what I need, it slows, it slows us down. And all of us have met people and know people who just don't need God because of excess. Maybe that's you. Maybe God's speaking to you right now, and I'm not trying to be your conscience. I'm just saying, be open. We've discussed this idea of provision and now we move to pardon. Pardon. Matthew 6, 12 says this, And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now, this whole idea of forgiveness is pretty basic to Christianity. It's like Christianity 101. Forgiveness, that's who Christ was. That's what the cross represented. That's what the crucifixion is all about. But what about the second part? 
and have forgiven our debtors. It's like a request with a catch. Let me say it this way. Forgive me in the same way and to the same degree that I have forgiven the people who have wronged me. Mm. Let that sink in. What Jesus is asking is, are you asking something from me that you are unwilling to extend to others? Mm. That's another cringer. Let's chew on that. Are you asking something from me that you are unwilling to extend to others? See, followers of Jesus are required to do unto others as God through Jesus has done for us, for you and me. To ask for forgiveness from God while withholding forgiveness is rather me-focused. So whether it's that mother-in-law, that co-worker, that boss, that wife, that husband, that person that used to be a friend, where's your forgiveness gauge? You see, if we're not willing to forgive, it, 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 it kind of reduces God to like a cleaning product. In other words, to visualize it like this, it's like a conscience cleaner. In other words, spray a little bit here, spray a little bit there, make things look a certain way, smell a certain way, but we really haven't gone to the root of it. This is only going to last so long. We've got to go beyond God forgives me so I feel much better about myself because I want to feel okay about myself. But Jesus' way of praying is so much better. When you forgive, you've released that person from a debt they may never be able to repay. You're doing for them what Jesus did for you and for me. Refusing to forgive makes us one of those people that Jesus talked about, the religious folks. You know how those religious folks can be defined, described? Hypocrite, pretender, user, consumer. Now, let, let, let me share something here. We may be in relationship with somebody who's hurt us, and we may have to put up boundaries. Uh, the relationship may not be the way it used to be, and that's okay. God will give us wisdom, but to refuse to forgive is to refuse to follow. Ooh. You know, several times during this presentation, this conversation, I've kind of gone, oh, to refuse to forgive is to refuse to follow. Praying and surrendering protects us from allowing those who hurt us become our Lord. Did you catch what I just said there? Praying and surrendering protects us from allowing those who hurt us become our Lord. Because sometimes uh, uh, a situation becomes so pronounced, 
uh, so dominant in our minds that it's all we think about and it becomes our God and our Lord and therefore we're substituting something that God never intended and we're literally making an idol out of something rather than keeping God first. Surrendering to Jesus ensures we don't surrender to self, bitterness, resentment, anger, revenge, gossip. We all know of people. We can see a different energy in them. Those people who could hold on to a wrong, could hold on to some misfortune, but they've chosen through the power of God to let go of it and not to let that describe their life. It's interesting, as Jesus goes on here, he says this, because he really wants to drive a point. Matthew 6, 14 through 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. There's another cringer. Some of you are going, whoa, 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 whoa. What version did you get that out of? Well, I don't care whether it's NLT, Good News Version, NIV. Go get your Bible. What it's saying is this, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a pretender. Don't be a consumer. If you seek and desire forgiveness, forgive. So we go to a logical place right now. Is there anyone you have refused to forgive? In fact, during this entire conversation, presentation, you, uh, there's somebody in your mind? Release. Forgive. Is there anyone you've really refused to forgive? I think a couple years ago some things happened in my life and there were people that absolutely hurt me deeply. And I had to forgive them. And I can look right at you right now and say, I'm free. Jesus is giving this incredible teaching because he knows that lack of forgiveness corrupts our hearts. But forgiveness brings peace and freedom and new experiences. It's like the people who hold on to the side of the pool and they never experience the exhilaration of diving in the deep end. It's not our will, but God, your will be done. So many times my will is that things be good between God and me, whether they're good between you and me or not. And you know what the Bible calls that? Religion. And religion is empty, unchanging, and we're always seeking something that that road will never lead to fulfillment or purpose. And like I said at the very beginning of this conversation, we're experiencing life change. Here's a quote that I think is very applicable. 
When I focus on the work God has yet to complete in me, I am far less concerned with the work he has yet to complete in you or someone else. With this focus, it's, for, it's so much easier to forgive others. Jesus' prayer takes us and leaves us surrendered. Humbled because we're dependent and forgiven. Let's go back and look at what we've been talking about. This then is how you should pray. Our unparalleled Father in heaven, holy, set apart, be your name and who you are. Your kingdom, your ways, your will come and be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may we be the bearers of the ones to do that. Give us the day, not more than I need, not less than I need, so I depend upon you and forgive us our debts in the same way that we have forgiven our debtors. Provision. Pardon. You say, do we have time to deal with protection? Nope, not today. That's next week. Have you ever... You ever wondered how people are able to do something beyond themselves when an atrocity has been presented to them, their family, and their friends because something so despicable has happened? I think of being with a woman that I nicknamed Lighthouse because her husband was literally reading a newspaper in a McDonald's parking lot and two guys came up and shot him and killed him and this woman her name judy nicknamed lighthouse wrote a letter to both of the individuals who took her husband's life said i forgive you and i want you to know my jesus and gave them a Bible because they were going to have a long time to read it. And the judge said, I don't know in my courtroom that I've ever experienced this amount of forgiveness and grace. Why? Not my will, but thy will be done. Where are you today? Who do you need to forgive? What do you need to ask for forgiveness? Humility? Surrender? It takes us places that we can never go on our own. And we experience life uniquely different.